Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. Yes, we are back with an all-new episode tonight of the show, and we're going to be discussing the Demonic Dr. Day's film pick of the week, The Host from 2006, and directed by Bong Joon-ho. I'm going to mess up a lot of names tonight, so to our South Korean listeners, I apologize ahead of time. I'm not very good at this. So just give me a chance. We're going to make it through. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to the show. We are not going to be joined by the Gulby Keith, as we always say, sometimes personal life takes over and you can't always make the podcast. But I am joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince mm-hmm. Mamora's Day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mad Monkey, everybody. Hey there, front fans. This is the Maniacal Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror Podcast, bring you the best damn podcast there is when it comes to talking about horror, horror movies, and all things in between. What's up, brother? <laughs> Glad to have you back as always. And yes, we are joined by the man of the hour, the official dean of middle school students, the demonic Dr. Dave. Uh, that would be me. Woo! I have so many Congratulations. Titles. Thank you. I have so many different yeah. titles. I don't I don't there's so many titles. Um so he's gonna be uh, demonic dean. Yeah, so on the show everyone knows that um Demonic Dr. Dave in real life is a middle school teacher, but if you want to, Dave, do you want to share the news? Yeah, so um, the news that I will be sharing, as you guys have uh, just announced, is that I have received an offer uh, from my school for a promotion uh, to, one, to continue to teach some of my academic classes, but also to become uh, my school's first uh, dean of middle school students. I work at a very small school, but we are rapidly growing and increasing the size of our student population. And uh, this is a position that has been kind of unbeknownst to me, mostly, um, has been being crafted along the way and uh, was offered to me this week. And I accepted it and it will start for the next school year. Dude, that's oh, awesome, congratulations. man. Congratulations. <laughs> um, okay, um, so, 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 so now he's going to have, like, a giant bookshelf of <laughs> things that the kids can borrow now because he's going to have the dean's office. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. I don't actually know, and just in things being transparent, I don't actually know if I am going to have my own office. That's probably unlikely, but I will continue to have my own classroom. And then, and, and then we're going to start yeah. de- de- decrees across the school where every Friday will be Horror Friday, and there will be a I horror mean, movie of his choice. I, I certainly <laughs> will have the freedom to propose uh, such activities. Whether they get the rubber stamp of approval uh, remains to be seen. <laughs> the dean of middle school students has spoken. 
but yeah, thank you for all of uh, your kind words. It's a pretty, it's a pretty exciting turn of events. Um, it's a there's a really nice raise uh, that goes along with it, as well as some other perks. So I'm pretty stoked about it. That is yeah, awesome. It's very proud of you. Yeah, because this is cool, man. Because now you get to be the old dude in all those '80s movies that you're watching. So you got to be that, <laughs> like the principal, walking the hallways and catching all the kids messing around, smoking pot, making out in the halls. That's you now, dude. <laughs> we'll see something, something like that. <laughs> oh no, it's Dean Dave. That guy means business. Uh-oh. My office now. Oh shit! Oh, shit. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, like I'll be playing, hopefully, like good cop to my head of school's bad cop. Ideally. <laughs> oh, there. Okay, so there we go. Being the good dean, that would not be the my bad hope. one. Exactly. The cool one that rides a skateboard and wears a hat backwards yeah. and wants to rap yeah. with students about drugs and sex. Well, I don't know. I don't know about the rapping part, but the rest, perhaps. No, no, it's, it's turning around well, a chair. No, we're saying we're, we're saying rapping is in trying to talk to the younger, the youth in your school. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, Come on, kid, let me rap like, you a second about this thing called drugs. <laughs> He'll have his his giant oak desk in his giant leather chair, and then hang on the wall behind him will be a, a giant steal your face airbrushed on the wall behind him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right now it's that in a frame, nice. so I guess I could get one airbrushed on the wall. <laughs> that would be cool. Or just a giant portrait of him riding a horse. Just so regal. <laughs> you know, just, that's Dean Dave. <laughs> why does he have it? It was commissioned. That's why. What actually, what I'm going to actually do is have an actual horse in the in the room. I'm just going to bring a horse and just put a actual horse in it. <laughs> No, no, we know what happens when a ho- no, we know what happens to horses when they end up in Dean's offices. No, Dave, don't do it, man. <laughs> Bad things happen to horses when they end up <laughs> yes. there. This is true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Got a fucking heart attack. Somebody bring their heads up. <laughs> yeah. Somebody better get the chainsaw. Cut up that horse. Oh, and a tape a- measure. We're gonna need a tape measure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said no dorms on campus since it's middle school. I don't care. No dorms. The dean has spoken. I'll be in my office putting my horse. Yes. Dean Dave has spoken. <laughs> Final word. There we go. Okay. So now that you're here, uh, I know we're going to be talking about your pick later on in the show of the host. Uh, but what's going on in the world of horror? What do we have to talk about tonight? Uh, well, pretty big news this week. I think we need to just take a moment to recognize... Uh, the passing of Father Marin, a uh, very oh, yeah. integral character and in arguably the greatest horror movie ever made. Yes, yeah, yeah. a ton um, of great movies that guy was in. Yeah, it's just because um, I was literally just talking to Diva last night about it because she was trying to remember what movies he was in, and you know, I'm talking now stuff like you know. You know that he was Ming in Flash Gordon, and that uh, you know he, he was the senior judge as Judge Dredd, and uh, the senior officer in Minority Report. You know, but, but um, what was his role in Exorcist for you guys? His his favorite role of yours? Uh, Doc, is that your favorite role, uh, Sado? I mean. 
probably, or you know, maybe maybe Flash Gordon. It's, it's hard to say, you know, mm-hmm. like the Exorcist. Like I feel like you, I feel like you just have to lead with that. Uh, we're a show that talks about horror movies, and uh, the case can be made, uh, and has been made, and will continue to be made till the end of time. That the Exorcist is the greatest horror movie ever made. Uh, so I'm not saying that that's my opinion, um, but I'm just saying. Uh, what a what a to have a part in in an in a, in a important part in that film like just carves your place mm-hmm. in history in the genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like The Exorcist, and I mean, I again, like the doctor said, one of the greatest horror films of all time. I think partly due to because of the makeup effects that were done to Max von Sydow to make him look like an old man, and also von Sydow acting that way that we actually fooled people for a number of years where they thought he was an old man, but he actually had to go and do these, uh, you know, castings where they're like, wait a second, you're like 30 years old. He's like, yeah, it was a movie and it was makeup. He's like, I'm just that good. (laughs) So it's amazing (laughs) that he could play that old man. I mean, my favorite Von Seidel film is a film from 57 directed by Ingmar Bergman, the seventh seal where he played a Swedish knight, uh, Antonius block. I want to say his name was, uh, where he plays chess with death. That's like the most iconic scene in that movie. Uh, probably one of my favorite uh, Bergman films, but also Cry the Wolf, he also did with Bergman. Uh, that's a great film, if you want to see Sidow. He doesn't play the main character, he plays a secondary character, but uh, two really good Bergman movies. Now, if you want to see something that he's done, aside from Flash Gordon and uh, Exorcist, obviously. Mm. Yeah, and it's just whatever he was in, he just always delivered. He always delivered. You know, it was just solid and just that voice of his, that, you know, just echoed and resonated and was just, you know, so crisp and clear and yet could be so scary or comforting at the same time. It's just, he, he was just that fucking good. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, a, that's a good way to explain it, that kind of scary but comforting at the same time. Uh, as it, You can make the case that it's, and it is, in my opinion, a flawed uh, film, but I feel that hmm. his role in Shutter Island uh, perfectly yes. encapsulates yep. that. Yeah. Oh, completely agree. And I completely forgot about that until you brought it up that he was in Shutter Island and quite a great character. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, amazing the range that he had because it was like the, the ghoul was saying that he showed up in movies and he just knew who he was. Just from his voice, just by his mannerisms. I mean, the guy was the voice of Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2. You know, he wasn't the actual uh, Vigo. He was just a voice because Wilhelm von Homburg couldn't do the voice because he was always drunk on set. So they got Max von Sydow, of all people, to provide the voice. So whenever you watch that movie, it's like, that's Sydow. You know, he even did it for the video game that came out a couple yeah, years and, and provided voice for Vigo. <laughs> and don't forget, we talked about it recently in our group chat, uh, this particular film for a minute. He was in Dreamscape, too. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> Another one that I forgot he was in. <laughs> Until we brought it up in the group chat that he was in Dreamscape. Yeah. So, you know, a great actor that, that that passed away at 90. I had no idea. I thought he was dead. Honestly, I thought he had died years ago. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it came out that he was still yeah. alive. So, wow. Yeah, because for, for me it was um same thing of, you know, growing up as a kid in the 80s. You know, my two main movies growing up with him were, like like the doc said, Flash Gordon. Um, but also the yeah. movie Dune. Um. He, That's he right. Just, the wish will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, remembering him, he's gonna be missed. But you know, he, he but he definitely left an impact. You know, 
through through his movies. Yeah, always and, and immortalized in The Exorcist, you know, forever, you know, cemented in horror lore as father of Matt Lancaster Merrin, um, which is great. Um, okay, so moving on from Von Sydow, what else do we have, Doc? Well, because I'm not sure, maybe, uh, King, you can fill in this piece of information for me, because this is also uh, a Stephen King book that I have not uh, personally read, but... Is it pronounced Lissy's story, Lisey's story, Lysy's story? Uh, do we know what the actual pronunciation of that character's name is? I've always heard it as Lissy, L-A-S-E-Y. But I've heard people L-I-S-E-Y. pronounce it different ways, but I've always pronounced it as Lissy. Yeah, Lissy, right. L-A-S-E-Y. Well, well, apparently for Apple TV, uh, Stephen King is <laughs> uh, writing uh, for this eight-episode adaptation uh, that's going to be coming mm-hmm. on uh, for Apple TV. Uh, Stephen King has been on set. He's been writing. Uh, he's been taking part and writing things for the series. Uh, and this is going to come out uh, at some point on Apple TV and will be starring uh, Julianne Moore. Um, just, you know, oh. thought it was interesting. You always hear about, like, Stephen King being on set of all these different adaptations from all his different works. But, uh, you know, I haven't really seen much about him being involved in, like, the actual writing process for these, you know, TV shows and mini series and limited series and stuff like that. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Oh, so, so wait a minute. So, um, doc, if we can go back to what you just said, so you're saying a lot of these projects that are going on with his adaptations, he is showing up on set. Like, yeah, like it's just said, like, Oh, he's been hanging yeah. around mm-hmm. and like checking it out. Um, you know, uh, he says, oh, I visited the set, and you can't, you're not going to believe what you're going to see when it finally hits. You know, it's going to be so scary. You know, it's been, he always has a statement like that. Well, okay, because yeah. I didn't realize he was that hands-on sometimes of actually just going to take time to visit the project. He yeah, tries kind to of, as much as possible. Yeah, I've, 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 I've reported on some of those, uh, some of those yeah. before. That's, I think almost cool, all man. of them. Yeah, I mean, I want to say almost all of them. He's been at least on set for a day or two. I know when he did Pet Cemetery back in 1989, they were filming that right down the street from his house, so he was always there, just hanging out, you know, on the set, and, and you know, just, you know, just he had his cameo, obviously, but under the dome when they filmed that, he was on set a lot. He had a cameo. So, he, yeah, he likes to be a part of the production as far as just hanging out and seeing what's going on, but as far as writing, uh, yeah, that's a first. Where it's, he's going to be in, uh, an integral part of this production for Lissy's story, which is a good book. I mean, it's more romance, I think, than straight horror that we're used to from King. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing what they do with this. Because it's, it's not one of his more well known books. You know, it's kind of off the beaten path, King. Well, cool, man. I, seriously, I, I had no idea that it was like that about the project. Okay. Um, what else you got, Doc? Well, I just need to ask the king first. King, did you just call the monkey king? No, no, I was talking about king himself. Oh, okay. I thought you said just off the past <laughs> king, like saying it to the monkey to respond. I was like, no, 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 even though it's worth a read, just to see what he can do other than just straight-up horror. Like Duma Key. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of books that he's done where it's kind of not the, the popular king. 
but they're still good. Yeah, well, like those couple of books he wrote where it was supposed to be like Detective Noir stuff, right? Yeah, yeah he wrote a couple of those. Uh, Funland he wrote, uh, Blockade Billy. And there was a couple of them that he wrote that were supposed to be like pulp detective novels a couple of years ago. That You know, they're, they're yeah. so good. I mean, they're, they're not the best, but, you know, it's again, it's just something that he threw together at the last second and said publish it. And they said, okay, here's some money. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, cause, yeah, because I remember those those pulp novels also um, didn't even come out in hardcover. They just came straight out in soft cover, like no no announcement, no nothing. Just showed up one day on the shelf. Yep. I was like, oh shit! Oh yeah, it, you know, and and it, it was one of those things where I couldn't even tell if it was really Stephen King because, like, I, I remember when those came out. I bought them for my ex-wife, and I was like, I think it's Stephen King, but there's no picture in the back and. No description, no list of any of his other works that you know we all know of. And so here you go. It was four bucks, brand new. Um, yeah. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> yeah, there was a resurgence of those books back in the day. It wasn't just King; it was a couple other authors that were writing them too. They wanted to make them like the old '60s, '70s detective pulps, where you could get them for like four or five bucks. You know, they weren't big hardcover, thick ones. I mean, they were like a hundred to two hundred pages. You could knock it out in a day if you're a serious reader. Um, like I said, Funland was my favorite one that he did. Um, you know, Blockade Billy was okay, but it was more of a supernatural, not quite horror. Um, but they were still good. You know, I mean, I, it's very rare that I'm disappointed by King. It's just the third act usually is where I fall apart with King. Yeah, that's how everyone feels. <laughs> yeah, he, he'll close it out one day. He'll figure it out. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what else you got, Doc? You are all excited to see A Quiet Place 2. I know you all are. No, no, no. John Krasinski is already ready for A Quiet Place 3. No kidding. No! He said that when he said that when he was making the first Quiet Place, he did not even, he was not even thinking about a sequel uh, at that time, but he said that this time he wants to be ready. Uh, he is already preparing. He's been taking notes, creating ideas, and making sure he has all of his information ready to go if there is uh, such a, a need for more after the upcoming Quiet Place 2. Yeah, yeah, there could Man. be. You know, it's got a fan base. It does. I mean, it's, it does. it's hard to deny that those movies have a fan base. Yeah. I'm not one of them. You know, I just, you know, it, it's uh, something. You know, so I mean, I if for Krasinski, I just say keep going. If you got it, run with it while you got it before it dies out. Before people are like, fuck that movie, wasn't that good? Yeah, just because. Um... Also, like on Entertainment Tonight and TMZ and all that kind of stuff, you know, they're talking about all these behind-the-scenes moments, you know, that they're able to capture and stuff like that. So, you know, they're all they're all definitely excited about this new movie coming out. And and like you said, King, you know, the, the movie definitely has a fan base. Mhm. And I can see it doing well. You know, I mean, they're releasing it uh, March 20th, so next week they're releasing it. Um, so it's early enough where it's not like the summer season. I, I think that if they release it in the summer, it probably would tank. But I think it has a good chance to do some numbers. That's been, it's it's so early enough in the year where people are still checking them out. But I definitely think it's it's going to do well. I don't know if it's going to do number one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's number one, to be honest. <laughs> it would not surprise me. 
Now, with all of the talk about coronavirus going around, do you think this is going to have any impact on the, the theater goers? It's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I can't imagine people are going to be afraid to go to the movies. But then again, I don't know. The media says enough stuff about it being scary. People might stay inside with all their toilet paper and Purell and just you know watch TV at home. They might not go to the movies. Mm. Yeah, because because did you say we're also us personally are waiting for a big news announcement tomorrow? Uh, yeah, for the upcoming WrestleMania pay per view in April. The big one for the WWE. Apparently, they were going to be hosting it in Miami or Tampa, rather. And now Tampa is saying, "Well, we're going to have a meeting about it tomorrow at noon, and we're going to decide because this coronavirus is now a pandemic, and we're not really sure if we're going to host it." So, yeah, now we're all waiting to see what's going to happen with WrestleMania. So it's it's a, a shame, you know. But you know, this is what's caused this pandemic. You know, state of emergencies, states to state to state. You know, I, I don't really put too much faith in it, but, you know, it's what the media is talking about right now. Coronavirus, yeah. scary stuff. Uh, um, t- on a side note, Doc, is this having any effect on your school, man? Uh, not at this time. So uh, this is what's going on in California anyway. So the Archdiocese of San Francisco uh, has closed all of the Catholic schools in San Francisco, and my county is Marin County, north, just north of San Francisco. Uh, all of the Catholic schools have been closed for uh, for the next 14 days. Uh, the the public schools right now uh, are are all monitoring the situation. Uh, my school is a private school. Our school's plan basically is that um, we are staying open. Uh, we are making uh, you know we're making you know packets of work and stuff and digital stuff uh, to have on the ready if our school uh, has to close. Uh, As all the health offices have said, uh, if we close, it will be for 14 days. Um, Uh So basically, uh, you know, if any, like, member of a student's family or something becomes ill or has been in contact with anyone ill, so on and so forth, something like that, then our school would make the decision to close on its own and then, uh, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have to follow what, like, the Marin County Department of Education says, but if the Marin County public schools uh, start to close, we'll probably fall in line with them. So right now we're kind of in a, a wait-and-see pattern, uh, you know. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm moving forward as usual. I still got to work. You know, 14 days off from me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's been cases in Pennsylvania. You know, a couple counties that are around Lancaster, where uh, the ghoul and I are from. I mean, not uh, Monkey and I are from, but, you know, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Just wash your fucking hands. That's yeah. it. Just, you know, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Don't hold on the toilet paper. Wash your hands and just, you know, stay away from the coffin. Yeah. Remember, be safe. Wash your hands. Thoroughly wash your hands. Wash your, wash your hands like you were washing the school's luscious, sexy body, all right? And just take your time with it, okay? <laughs> and pro tip, if you're in a store and you want to get ahead in line, just cough a lot, because that line will move <laughs> a lot quicker, as I found out. <laughs> yeah. Just start coughing and complain about a headache, and everybody move out of the way. It's great at Walmart. Always works. <laughs> okay. So moving away from that conversation, what else do we have, Doc? What's going on next? If you want to have 
the opportunity for a very special uh, movie-watching experience, you should check out Kenny Carpenter's on-set cinema series. Uh, yes, yeah. Come in September, September 19th of 2020, you could have the opportunity to watch the original Pet Cemetery film at the original Pet Cemetery in Ellsworth Elks, Maine. Um, what? Apparently, yeah. apparently yeah. Kenny Carpenter has developed this company where he shows classic horror movies like on their locations. Uh, some of the ones that he has done so far, uh, he has shown The Prowler, which we all know very well, at the yeah. end of Cape May. He has shown Scream at Stu's house. Uh, he has shown Halloween 1978 at the Myers house. He showed The Shining at the Overlook. Uh, he is This month, he's showing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house, which is now something called the Grand Central Cafe. Uh, so if Correct. you want the opportunity to see a classic car movie on the location of the classic car movie, uh, this is something you should be looking into. Yeah, um, he's done a lot of good stuff for people that are big fans yeah. of those movies. I mean, I've seen a lot of photos from the movies that he's shown. But, yeah, the, the recent one, like the Doc was saying, is Pet Cemetery, And I think that's a great opportunity. If you're ever in these areas and you want to go check out the movie where it was actually filmed, Stephen King might even come. He lives right down the road. He might just stop in <laughs> just to say what's going on, everybody. Are you guys here to see a movie or something? Ah, oh, fucking shit, dude. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be scared as hell. But if you want to get more information about how to actually figure this out, you know, wh- what the listings are and stuff like that, check out the Talking Terror page where the king has put up an article where you can find the specific information about these events. Correct. Prices and the times and where they're going to be. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where if I lived around that area, I probably would want to go, you know, to any of those type of screenings. So I think it'd be great. To see where it was actually oh, filmed, yeah. you know, and actually get to see the movie and get to hang out with fans themselves. I know what the doc was just saying about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, the Grand Central Cafe in Kingsland, where they filmed that movie. You're going to get to see Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they actually hold a screening every year on Halloween, that Grand Central Cafe. So every year on Halloween, they show a screening outdoors mm-hmm. of that movie. Yeah. So you don't just have to go there just for this event. You go there any year on Halloween. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Here's some more information. After, uh, so... Uh, Sunday, March 29th through Monday, March 30th, uh, they will be showing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre inside uh, the house. Um, Guests can also stay the night in the house. Uh, They are showing the Texas Chainsaw one uh, March 29th and March 30th. There's only 13 spots available uh, for each night. Mm -hmm. And as I'm checking in a little bit further, uh, tickets for these events are only 20 bucks. Um, wow. For the pet cemetery, for the pet cemetery one, uh, the tower was 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh, the onset, let me get some information here. The Texas chainsaw massacre one is expensive. That's, uh, 350 bucks, but includes, uh, an overnight stay inside the house. It includes barbecue <laughs> dinner, drinks, snacks, and, um, and your, and your, and your night, your night staying over. So that's a, that's a big ticket event. Bar- and they're serving barbecue. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, barbecue, dinner, drinks, and snacks. It must be nice to have that kind of money, though. 350 big ones. 
I mean, that's a lot of stuff yeah, at the man. same time. Yeah, it must be nice to have that kind of scratch <laughs> to spend yeah. on a, a you know, yeah. on-location uh, movie. I mean, I'm kind of hoping that one day they do uh, Night of the Living Dead at Evans City Cemetery. I'd go to that. <laughs> yeah, because after, like, after I had gone to the Monroeville Mall, and it's like, you know, and then sharing with you guys, like, how awesome it is to actually go somewhere where they actually film movies. You know, like, you know, Doc, you had been to the Lighthouse for the fog, and you know, King, yeah. you've been to Monroeville Mall as well. And, you know, you were also where the, the Prowler was shot, you know. And it's just so awesome to just actually go somewhere and be able to look around, you know, at, at a physical location where you know certain shots were taken from movies that you know, you know. And it's just so great to feel like you're actually in that environment. It always is. It's always so great. And it's something that I think everybody should check out. You know, if you're nearby an area that a horror film was shot, you know, check it out. Like uh, the uh, monkey just said about Evan City Cemetery, about Monroeville, to see where these movies were shot. They have a museum. The Night of the Living Dead Museum is there. You know, so you could check out props from the movies. You could check out stuff that you could actually purchase. You know, it's kind of cool to be out that way. And even the gas station in Bastrop, where they filmed Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that's been reopened, re- uh, renovated. You can actually spend the night there. You can get a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre swag there. So it's cool that these places are available to check out. They're not closed down where you can't check them out anymore. Yeah, he's got uh, right. Friday, Friday, June 5th through Sunday, June 7th, all sold out. Uh, he's doing in Rutledge, Georgia at the Hard Labor Creek State Park uh, slash Camp Daniel Morgan, uh, Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Uh, that location cool. uh, stood in for Camp Crystal Lake for that one. He's doing that. Uh Fans will, for this one, and this one is completely sold out, uh, fans will enjoy entire weekend of summer camp, uh, shared cabin camping with bunk beds, games like egg toss, cornhole, paintball, board games, Nintendo, and more, campfires with friends, roasting marshmallows and making s'mores, watching VHS horror movies on on tube TVs, swimming and canoeing in Crystal Lake, and of course, complimentary big screen showing of Friday the 13th, part six, on Saturday night. One second, it's rumored that there might even be a Jason stalking the grounds. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the whole experience. Because I know that the one near you, uh, Doc, was the Scream House, where uh, Stu's party was. And they were doing the same yeah. thing, where you could actually stay in the house, you could have a bunch of experiences and watch movies that are on VHS. I mean, that would be a wild time. I think just to connect in that sense, at a place where that movie was filmed. Yeah, he's done a lot more than, than the ones I said before as I'm looking. Uh, there was an I Know What You Did Last Summer one back in, in North Carolina in October uh, at the Southport Community Theater, as well as a tour and cookout at Barry's House. Uh, they did one in Vermont, Beetlejuice, at the historic Fox B Barn um, and the Bridge. Uh, they did one for the 1988's The Blob in Abbeville, Louisiana, at the Magdalen Square. Um, by the police station, the cafe, and the town hall opening shots. Um, they did a mutilator fall break uh, at Atlantic Beach, North it's Carolina, at the mutilator beach house inside the garage <laughs> with special guests wow. Bill Hitchcock, Ruth Martinez, Connie Rogers, Trace Cooper, Pamela Cooper, and Buddy Cooper, and Ed Farrell. Wow. Um, awesome. He's so got some, some pretty, cool, uh, pretty cool events. That guy is living his best life. That's what I would want to do you know, with my life if I had that option. Just film classic movies where they were filmed, you know, charge some money, have some events, 
you know, Kenny Carpenter, yeah, he's my hero right now because he's living his best horror life. You know, what a guy. You know, what, mm. what he's doing. And and this this is in no way connected to um, the guy who does, excuse me, um, the screening of the woods where they did Blair Witch, right? This isn't connected to that guy at all, right? I, I didn't see anything oh, on his page no. about Blair Witch. Okay. No, it's it's not connected to Matt Blasey. Matt Blasey, he does a get together every year in October for the Blair Witch in the uh, the woods near Burkittsville. Um, but he's a very cool guy. I've actually had a chance to meet him. Uh, Eduardo Sanchez, who directed the film, he often shows up and spends the weekend with people. You know, they do a screening in the woods and they just do a scavenger hunt. And it's a lot of fun. It's one of those I've always wanted to go to, just never really had the funds to do. Um, but yeah, that's a completely separate thing um, that uh, Matt Blasey's doing over at the Boy Watch site. Okay. All right. So, what All right. so Doc, what's next? So, after those pretty cool events out there in the yeah. real world, uh, you can <laughs> then uh, watch TV about some places because previously on this show, I've talked about the upcoming a travel channel series called True Terror with Robert England. Uh, right. That, that debut of that show is just one week away. Uh, oh. March 18th is the date, 10 p.m. on the travel channel. Uh, just some more information. It's going to be only six episodes, but the six episodes uh, are going to cover 18 different stories. Uh, each episode mm-hmm. is going to have three stories of varying lengths, and all of these stories that are explored were stories that they found in newspapers from the late 1800s to the early 1900s, with Robert England uh, taking you on the tour through these stories. I'm excited for that one. I think it's going to be a fun ride, especially with uh, England as the host. Um, but there was another show that I actually put on the Talking Terror page that's going to be on Quibi, the streaming service that we've talked about, which offers quick bites. I think they're going to be like 10-minute shows. Uh, they I announced have some one more news be about out. that in just a moment. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't want to take your thunder. Because I think you might have something that I'm going to talk about. So I'll leave that go. All right. So moving away from England, uh, what do we have next? So Quibi, which you just brought up that we've talked about on yeah. the show, is debuting uh, in a little less than a month on April 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be, uh, for a certain amount of viewers, there's going to be, I believe I read a 90-day free trial. Not for everyone. I think it's like a sign-up lottery or something. Uh, But apparently, when it hits, they are going to be slamming right out of the gate with 50 new shows. That's right. Uh, And these are going to be made up of uh, movies uh, that are going to be shown in chapters of just seven or eight minutes. Uh, they're going to be made of unscripted series and documentaries covering the worlds of food, fashion, travel, animals, cars, music, sports, comedy, etc., uh, etc. Et and all of those are going to be 10 minutes or less. And then there's also going to be uh, Daily Essentials, which is going to be a cultivated collection of daily news and so on and so forth that are going to be in quick 5- uh, to 10-minute Quibi News Bites. 
That's right. Uh, you know, yeah. it's something that I'm actually been interested yeah. in watching, you know, the, the shows are going to be premiering on there. We talked about the Steven Spielberg uh, show that you can't watch until midnight uh, that he's going to be coming out with. But there's also one called Murder Flip House that I'm actually excited for because it's a 10 minute renovation show about people that live in homes that murders have occurred. And you have two people that are renovators coming in to completely flip the house to get rid of the murderous past that this house once had. But it's going to be a 10-minute show, and normally renovation shows are a half hour to an hour, so I'm kind of interested to see Easily how they can turn. No, they're always an hour, yeah. man. They're always an hour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, on any, every Saturday morning, they have a long marathon of, like, zombie flip house and flip this house. So for Quibi to have a 10-minute uh, murder flip house, you know, that's, that's a big deal because you're going to have to talk about the murders that happened there and then how they flip that house. So to do it in 10 minutes, that's, that's promising, but I think it's just a little bit too ambitious. But I'm looking forward to checking it out. What is this called? Murder Flip House. Murder House Flip. Murder House Flip. Murder House Flip. Murder House Flip. I thought it was Murder Flip House. But, yeah, it's Murder House Flip, where they take uh, houses where murders have occurred, and then they change the past of that house into, like, a brand-new place where you can live. So I know that John Wayne Gacy's house, which was once bulldozed, went up for sale um, recently, you know, for a pretty good price in Chicago. So that would be a good one to have on there, but we'll see. Ten minutes is really too quick. I think you do a renovation show, but you know it's ambitious. I'll give them that. I see. Yeah, I think that the like the big one uh, that they're pushing is they're going to be having a new version of the Fugitive. Um, is that right? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I remember hearing about that. Uh, so there's going to be uh, a new version of the Fugitive as well as. Uh, Steven Spielberg uh, has written and created a horror series called Spielberg's After Dark. Oh, that's the one at midnight. And then there was the one that I think Doc you talked about not that long ago about Sam Raimi. I think it's like 50 States of Terror or something like that, where it's going to cover Perhaps. 50 states, quick bites of like horror that happened in each state in America. Right. So it's kind of ambitious. Uh, I, mean, I, I do like it. It'll yeah. be curious to see, um, you know, if this thing can really gain uh, some real traction. Uh, it's, it's, I feel like it's a very ambitious uh, yes. yep. experiment. Um, yeah, I'm really, you know, I'm, I, I am like there's a piece, there's a, a bit of me that's, you know, uh, has a lot of interest in some of what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now, um, are you now, Doc? Were you saying about this channel? Is the whole channel supposed to be stylized like this, where it's all short material? Yes. the The entire purpose of the platform is all of the content will be in ten minute chunks or less. Oh wow! So you might see, you <laughs> might see like a like a, an hour-long movie or something, but it's going to be in 10-minute bites. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why they call it Quibi, because it's quick bites. So, I mean, oh, it's, okay. it's, you know, it's not like I said, it's ambitious. You know, it's something I'm actually interested in to see if they can pull it off. But it's, once again, another streaming service that you're going to have to pay for. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. are you going to want to well, do that? See, <laughs> you know? what's what I did, I did just do some quick research, and basically, uh, if you are interested, uh, if you go to their website uh, up until the launch of the service, uh, you can sign up for 
a 90-day uh, free trial. Or we can wait for the ghoul to get it because he gets all the streaming services. And we, we can get his opinion on Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be one of the deals where, you know, you have to, like, give your credit card and then hope you remember to cancel it. Otherwise, they'll start charging you automatically. Right. Wow. And breaking news, boys, uh, from the ghoul himself, who was actually commenting, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson have tested positive for coronavirus. Huh? Wow. So that is coming out right now, as of a half hour ago. Yes, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson, his wife, have tested positive for coronavirus. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that is yeah, breaking right. news. This, this literally, this literally ju- just dropped <laughs> as we're coming to you live. Uh, <laughs> did they really? Wait, hang on. There's, I have some big news coming in a second. Also, hang on one second. Yeah, they oh were, were both down in Australia yeah, we, for Bob Gorman's untitled This is so fucked up. We actually have new shit happening on <laughs> our new section of the show. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. Breaking. An NBA player, an NBA player named Rudy Gobert, who plays for the Utah Jazz, tested positive, and the NBA has officially suspended their entire season indefinitely. The entire NBA. The entire NBA. Wow. Like, oh, that's no huge basketball. fucking news. Yeah, that yeah, is that is huge right now that the entire NBA is canceled. That's it. No more season. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, and, and, and Tom Hanks and uh, Rita Wilson testing positive after they were in Australia for pre-production on a Boz Lerman Elvis Presley pick, as I was reading the article. They both tested positive. So, yeah, this is this is something big. You know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, I made light of it earlier, but wow, this is really gaining something. This whole coronavirus thing. I mean, it's a, man, man, it's like fucking Captain Trips, man. I'm telling you, Stephen King had this shit right when he wrote the fucking stand, man. <laughs> we need to talk to Stephen King. We need to be like, you are right, dude. Tell us how we can stop this. <laughs> wash your hands. Again, we repeat, yes. wash your fucking hands. <laughs> Don't touch other people. Don't touch your face. Don't touch anything. Just don't touch anything. Put on gloves. Holy shit. Wow. NBA canceled. Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson. It's just, yeah, this is whole, I mean, and we're talking about a movie today that has a virus in it. So, holy shit. It's come a full circle. Yeah, I was, you see, yeah, you I was see that? that my, pick, my pick is very timely. Yeah. I, yeah, I had I a feeling gonna... when I saw it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that is breaking right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what's going on in the world. Uh, but uh, let's, let's get to some more lighthearted stuff. Uh, what's going on in the horror world uh, before we get into the movie? Hey, we can't shy away from to, to the lighthearted stuff. We have to cover the real deal topical news, all right? And yeah, I mean, there, has been horror, there has been horror movies about disease and virus, and now we have one in real life. So when breaking news happens, it is our responsibility to our audience, uh, you know, however little that audience is, to bring them this Thank news you, in real time. <laughs> I mean, is it, I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't really take the coronavirus very seriously. I think it's a media-generated thing. I know people are getting sick, but I think that the majority of it is the media trying to scare the shit out of people, and that's what I said at the top of the show. But it's it's one of those things where it's a real issue that we have to deal with. The fact that this thing is, is not going away anytime soon, it looks like. I mean, for the NBA to cancel the entire season because of coronavirus. 
Right, but at the same suspended. time, it's, it's, it's yeah, suspended. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, it's like because we are literally, you know, getting ready. To, you know, we're, we're into March Madness now as well. You know, so yeah. we're talking about ma- mass gatherings of people getting together here. You know, all really tight together. You know, which again is probably not the best thing for this environment. Which is again going back to the whole thing about WrestleMania. Uh, you know, because it's there. It's a big, huge outdoor event, and even though they're saying this virus is not airborne in any way, shape, or form, it's like still though. You sit there and take that many people in an open air environment. They're kind of te- really testing the waters there, then, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think you are, you know, but at the same time, it, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where how, you know, just how quick widespread it is. And like that monkey you just said, it's not airborne, you know, it's from person to person, you know, and that's why they keep telling everybody to wash your hands, you know, don't touch your face, you know, just keep away from people that might have symptoms, but you know, it's a, a real pandemic that we're dealing with at the yeah. moment. Yeah. You know, who would have thought not really in the horror genre, but uh, since Tom Hanks uh, did come up, uh, if you guys have not seen the trailer for his upcoming movie called Greyhound, uh, which is going to be like a, a submarine, uh, a submarine war movie, uh, looks pretty intense. We're not going to, we don't need to talk about that at length. I just wanted to make that suggestion to you guys. I still want to check that out because I know you said it in the group chat, and I mean I'm a huge fan of Tom Hanks. So I'll see whatever yeah, he's doing. I mean, I even watched the movie he played uh, Mr. Rogers in. Mm-hmm. Won't you be my neighbor? And that fucking movie is great. Because mm. <laughs> I, I downloaded that for the diva. Um, so so you were pleased with it? It's a tearjerker. I mean, I, I you know, get ready to have some tissues available because that movie is it's just, it's heartwarming, but it's sad. It's just, I mean, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's Tom awesome. Hanks really does do a good job. Yeah, he what were you going to say, Doc? I was just saying that 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 movie had all of those things. It, it, Tom Hanks's performance was fantastic. Wow. See, and that's, yeah, no, no, because not, not. But now you're telling me I gotta get tissues. Well, you know I can't get fucking tissues. We can't even get toilet paper right now. What are you talking about? I need to get some damn tissues. Well, I got I, no, I got sandpaper. I I, I I can give her sandpaper. There you go. Because I have sandpaper. Be I have sandpaper man. here at my art table. <laughs> <laughs> Rub your eyes with sandpaper. That's what real men do. <laughs> we don't cry. We rub our eyes with sandpaper and hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Won't you be my neighbor? Definitely is worth checking out. It's it's everything I wanted it to be, and and just to see how much Fred Rogers really did care about the people that were the outcasts and the people that thought they were oh, weird absolutely. and didn't feel like they belonged. You know, and they really hit the nail on the head with that movie, showing you that. Yeah, because um, actually, like, uh, I was watching a fundraiser on PBS where they were talking about the making of this movie, but then they were showing all actual clips from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and just all of the things they did to just uh, push and break social boundaries at the time. You know, and the the things they did to sit there and make it acceptable for things that were considered extremely unacceptable. During the yeah. late seventies and early eighties, he was always doing that, and that's why I always loved, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers. I mean, he had one episode where he had uh, a black male, a uh, black cop on the show, and they shared a little kiddie pool together where they both dipped their toes in the kiddie pool, and that was like, whoa, what are you yeah. doing? You shared a kiddie pool with a black man? 
He was like, well, what, what does it matter? Like, he's a person. Just because he's black, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But it was, it was powerful for its time. It was controversial. But he was just trying yeah, to show you that it doesn't matter who you are. You're just everybody's somebody. Yeah, and it's just after watching that documentary, it's like just showed in a lot of ways, you know, like Lenin, if you will, you know, what a, a quiet, re- you know, rebel and protester he was. Yeah. And it was the same thing um, with his sexuality. I know that a lot of people were questioning his sexuality at a certain point, whether he was gay, whether he was straight, even though he was married. You know, he had said, you know, at times there's women that I find attractive, but at the same time there's men that I find attractive. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, and it's like for him to just go out there and say that and just be confident and not be afraid. Just be like, you know what, there's men out there that are attractive. There's women out there that are attractive. Who cares? Let's just be ourselves. Be who you want to be. Fuck, man. Shit, I'll be the first one to sit there and go. I'm, you know, I got nothing but love for Jason Statham's abs. Like, you know, I ain't gay. I know but, you do, yeah. You know, he, but if you wanted to hook up, you know, I could maybe learn to be gay. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I've said the same thing about Vinnie Jones many times. I'm not gay, but, you know, I might after a couple beers. <laughs> But oh, that's just, you, I mean, it's just, you plug. <laughs> yeah, I know, it just curse me some more, daddy. <laughs> but I do want to get uh, a little bit more in before we get into the movie. So what else do you have for us, Doc? Based on the success of the Invisible Man, Blumhouse uh, wants mm-hmm. to continue this by uh, bringing in uh, a new version, a new Dracula uh, movie. Um, this is going to be directed by Karen something with a K. Uh, honestly, I just I can't read Kusama. my fucking handwriting right now. Uh, thank you. Kusama. Uh, <laughs> this will be a Dracula movie that's set in the modern world and that they're saying, Blumhouse, uh, they're saying that after the failure of their initial uh, stab at creating this dark universe, uh, with this Dracula movie, they're still trying to create some type of interconnected world with these different characters. So uh, this will be going into production very, very soon, uh, a new version of Dracula. And what I found interesting about uh, Karen Kusama uh, directing Dracula, she did Jennifer's Body. She also did The Invitation. Um, it's that Dracula isn't specifically owned by Universal. So this doesn't have to be done underneath the Universal banner. Dracula, the character, is in public domain. So anybody can make a Dracula film. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it just we're, doesn't have to be we're Universal. Which is why, why everybody does. <laughs> right. So Blumhouse saying, you know, we want to do this after success of, of Invisible Men is great. And Jason Blum also said that he wants to do a Frankenstein-type film. Um, just because of the success of, of Invisible Men, let's strike why the iron's hot. Because apparently now... Those monsters are really hot right now because we have the Monster Mass musical coming out soon. We have the Renfield movie coming out. Uh, the Brides, which is based on Dracula, coming out on ABC soon. So it's like a lot of these classic monsters are getting a revival, just like they did back in the uh, 40s and the 50s. I'm sorry, Doc. What were you trying to say just a second ago? No, I was just going to say that the King had just mentioned uh, the invitation uh, I feel like we'll be covering that at some point. That's one of the ones that's on that's on my long, long list of, of possible like titles it, yeah. for the show. So I haven't picked it yet, I'm but it's a, a possibility that that'll be coming down the pipe sometime. I'm a fan of that movie. 
And I'm also a fan of Jennifer's Body. I know that uh, you know that movie with Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried. Uh, that uh, movie was marketed incredibly wrong. No, you know what, Monkey? Take a step aside. That movie was marketed wrong because Megan Fox was hot at the time, so they wanted to market it on her sexuality. There's a lot more to that movie than just her body, you know, and just how good she looks. I mean, it's a fun movie. Um, it took me a while to kind of get to that point because when I first saw it in theaters, I was like, this movie's kind of not good. It's just, you know, a typical fare. But when I saw it uh, not that long ago, about a year or two ago, I was like, this movie's actually pretty fucking good. Like, I didn't give it a good chance. So Karen Kusama is a good uh, director. You know, she has a good sense. It's just the fact that that movie was marketed the wrong way. It's a good popcorn piece. You know, it's it's nothing deep. Nope. It's, it's a fun popcorn piece. No. That's all it is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it is completely. And then The Invitation, she just hit it out of the park. I mean, I'm a huge fan of The Invitation. I saw it on Netflix when it premiered, and I thought, this movie's great. Why are no people talking about this movie? And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, have you seen The Invitation? I'm like, yeah, it's good. You know, Karen Kusama, you know, is a good director. You know, it's a good story. It's a good thing. But we'll talk about that later on in the bike. Yep. (laughs) All right. Uh, What else you got, Doc? That's what I got. All right. So, good stories all around. Uh, Monkey, did you have anything you wanted to talk about before we get into Mover tonight? Um. No, because the other things that you want to talk about, I don't want to talk about. So we'll, we'll just go into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You don't. All right. So we'll save it. We'll put a pin in it for another day. All right. We'll save that for when we have the ghoul on the show, too, okay? Okay. All right. So that's perfect. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, Doc, this is your pick for tonight. 2006 is the host, directed by Bong Joon-ho. Uh, why don't you get us into this movie? What's it about? Why'd you pick it? And then we're going to kick it off. Uh, I picked this film. It's been on my list for the show for quite some time, uh, but being all the all the talk uh, that has gone on about the parasite and Bong Joon-ho uh, in the recent past, I figured now is the time uh, to break it out. Um, so yes, this is the host uh, 2006 film from South Korea. Uh, at the time of its release were by the end of its run in South Korea. It was the highest grossing South Korean film of all time at the time. Uh, It had a limited theatrical release in the United States in 2007. And, um, you know, it's won won several uh, awards. Uh, It's, you know, classic style, uh, you know, monster film. Uh, Didn't even take into consideration uh, this stuff with uh, talk of viruses and government control, how uh, relevant it might have been to some of the things that we've been talking about today, uh, you know, and, and there we have, have the host uh, clocking in at a, at a lengthy 119 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And, uh, Monkey, what do you think about have it? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doc. All right. So, Monkey, <laughs> there we have host. it. <laughs> Um, yeah, like Doc said, you couldn't have picked actually a more perfect horror movie to cover at this exact time. Um, like, honestly, it's like, you know, we, want, we we might as well be talking about something like Patient Zero right now. Um, but, yeah. Um, this movie, to me, was a discombobulated mess. Um, this, this movie, it claims it has three writers. There's no fucking way this movie only had three writers. 
I mean, because my problem with this movie was it had too much story in the story. Um, because I was all excited when the movie first starts off because I was like, oh, fuck yes, monster movie. All right, sweet, this is awesome. You know, and we start off with monster movie and, you know, <laughs> as the diva nicknamed him Stoner Dad. Um, <laughs> you know, so we were expecting that kind of story. And then we get, go into a dysfunctional family comedy. And then it becomes an infection movie. And then it becomes a government conspiracy movie. Uh, they even try to, like, mix in a little bit of action movie in there. And then, it, for some reason, even though this is a South Korean movie, it ends up, like, somehow becoming a North Korean propaganda piece at, at the very end. It's yeah. like it, it, there, there was just too much story in this story. It was like it, – it, I honestly felt like this movie was written by 20 people, not three. <laughs> it just it, – there was just so much – going on and they they need like I felt like they just needed to narrow this down and just give us a story not all of this it's like that being said it's like if they had just stuck with the monster story I would have been ecstatic you know if they had sit there and written this somewhere else it would have been ecstatic um for all that they were trying to shove into this movie uh, I'm going to, like, go the classic ghoul route and go, if they had actually tried to turn this into a series where they had had time to fully flesh everyone out, then I think this storyline could have worked in, in a lengthened-out episodic series. But they were just trying to shove too much into, like the doc said, you know, 119 minutes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... Um, I had actually seen the host when it came out in 2006, not in the theaters, but I actually rented it uh, because I had seen so many horror sites at the time talking about the host. How uh, this was this brand new horror film coming out of South yeah, Korea. Yeah, it was. It was you big know, it's talk. a monster big, big film. Talk. Big talk. And Quentin Tarantino went on to say that it was his favorite movie, of, one of his favorite movies of 2006. So I was in. Like I was like, I have to check this movie out, and I saw it the first time all the way back then. And I enjoyed it for what it was. You know, it's a, a creature film that takes some turns. There's a little bit of comedy that kind of works. Um, action set pieces like the monkey was talking about. Um, I know that, yes, North Korea loves this fucking movie because they think that oh, it's God. just so anti-American. They just, they're like, oh, the message is so there that the Americans are just shit people. And this is what they're doing. And how dare they? And this is great. And so they love this movie. Um, I don't really consider it an anti-American film. I think there's satire uh, from Bong Joon-ho uh, for the host, you know, playing against the American type. Um, I definitely think the satire is there, but I don't think he set out to make an anti-American film. I think he just wanted to make a creature feature um, that has something to say, but at the same time inserts some comedy in it, um, which I did get at times. Um, I mean, the no. fact that it was based oh. on a real story, which I thought was more interesting than that. Yeah. Um, now I'm gonna counter real quick. He's like, because I'm not saying it's anti-American when I say it's a North Korea propaganda nope. piece. What I'm saying nope, is, it's, it's, it's no. What I'm no. I'm what I'm saying is it's anti-South Korea. All right. Yeah. Just because, mm-hmm. just because you know uh, of the things they sit there and say against specifically South Korea about you know, <clears throat> you know, establishing a government and going to college and getting a career and then. You know, all, all right. that time protesting, you know, and th- then we get all that later on 
you know, of the useless protests that are there. And that's what I took was the very last act was a very anti-South Korea statement, even though it was supposed to be a South Korean film. You know, but at the same time, we can take that as, you know, like Republicans and Democrats and stuff like that. You know, maybe it was just, you know, someone on one side saying, okay, maybe the other side isn't, you know, 100% correct. You know, which, again, it's cool that they're allowed to say because this is a South Korean film. Yeah, and I think it's, it's all open to interpretation about how you see this film. Like, yeah, I definitely don't see it as an anti-American film. I see the satire with, with the, the protesters in South Korea, I see the Agent Yellow, which I took for Agent Orange. Like that's yeah. like that's Bong Joon Ho, you know, Bong Joon Ho, you know, saying this is Agent Orange. We're calling Agent Yellow, kind of having fun with it, you know. So I, I got it in that sense. Like I said, the comedy's there. I mean, there's there's things that I want to talk about later on about the comedy mm-hmm. that kind of did work for me uh, in this movie. Um, but yeah, you go to in the 2000, you have Scott Wilson. Of Walking Dead fame, Herschel Green, rest in Herschel. peace, playing playing <laughs> this, you know, American military pathologist who's like, this whole place is dusty. What could this dust? You got to clean this up. Oh, and by the way, we have like thousands of bottles of formaldehyde. Just pour it down the drain. We don't need it. It's all dusty anyway. But it's gonna go into the Han River. That's cool. I mean, the Han River is like fucking massive, right? So nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> Just dump them. <laughs> dump those bottles, dude. Let's get it done. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but but his Korean assistant is like, you know, no, according to this regulation and this regulation, we need to document everything that we're doing. You know, we have to follow protocol here. You know, and again, the American's like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> Just dump the shit. We're cool. <laughs> Which, like I said, that's based on the true story of Albert McFarlane, who did the exact same thing in 2000. Where he, working in the morgue in South Korea as a U.S. military agent, dumped hundreds of bottles of formaldehyde into the Han River, and he got two years of probation from the military. And he is still in South Korea now working, uh, but <laughs> he actually did this. There's no creature that we know of in South Korea, but that's loosely based uh, the host. That, so that's what I thought was kind of interesting. We actually, know researched of. a lot of that. <laughs> um. But yeah, you do get to see the like how massive the Han River is. I mean, it's a massive, massive river. Um, oh yeah. And then you have the, the two fishermen fishing, and then they see something weird in the water, and like, what the fuck is that? And they're like, oh no, it had like different tails and it had weird eyes. And oh no, I dropped the cup. I, was, yeah. I I just want to jump in real quick, and and I for, please forgive my uh, lack of a hundred percent attention because I'm, I'm like I have a, like four different news feeds open on my computer. And when we were talking mm-hmm. about Herschel, did we? Did you guys mention uh, how apparently Herschel wanted to dump all of the formaldehyde down the drain just because the bottles were dusty? Yeah, that's exactly uh-huh. why. That's why I wanted to go to him because he was a clean guy and he felt everything was dusty. So just dump all the bottles, and that's why he's rubbing his finger across the bottle and it's dusty. That's the only reason why he wants to get rid of all these formaldehyde bottles because they're dusty, and he's a very clean yeah, person. We we just clean them. No. No. <laughs> no, we just can't use them, so just dump them. And the fact that he never shows up again, too, I thought was kind of interesting. Like <laughs> this character is out after this opening sequence. Right. And but like you said, we we cut a couple years later, and we have two fishermen in the Han uh, River. And I just want to sit there and say, it's like that's one thing I really enjoyed about this movie, were just all the shots of the Han River because, it, like, oh yeah, it yep. really was its, it really was its own character in this movie. 
Um, cause sometimes it was, you know, slow and patient. Other times it was just angry as fuck. Other times it wasn't there at all. Um, just because of how, it, you know, the flow of the river was that day. Um, but it, you know, because, because the thing was so damn massive, it it really was its own being in this film. It really was. And yeah, the creature gets away. So we cut to 2006 and now we get introduced to Park Gang Du, um, who runs a small snack bar with his father, Hibong. Um, you know, he's obviously a slacker, doesn't really care, but he also has a daughter at the same time. So I was like, okay. So we had the daughter uh, once. Uh, God, I told you I'm going to butcher these fucking names. Shun Sao. Shun Sao. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Shun Tao? I was like, Shun Su. Shun Tao? It's. it's yeah. Yeah, that yeah, Hyun Sao, but they say it Hyun Sao. Sorry, you're not. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a, you're not. Um, it's rush hour. It's a rush hour reference. Forget it. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. I got you what understand you're going the words coming out of my mouth? Nobody understands the words coming out of your mouth. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> but yeah, going with what the the docket said, yes, this movie is 119 minutes, but I felt like it moved. Like it, it didn't feel like other two-hour movies that I've watched, where it feels like it drags. Like, this movie yeah, kind of gets you to where you need to get to pretty quick. Pretty quickly. I what felt the say, exposition, and I felt the first portion moved pretty quick, but then I found it start to drag. Oh, yeah. Yep, and it does. It has those moments, like any movie. But, yeah, this opening uh, couple scenes that we get, they move pretty quick. Because, like I said, we get introduced to Park Kang Do. Um, obviously, a slacker, you know, he's eating off pieces of squid, and, you know, it's supposed to have nine legs, and it only has eight, so give these beers to and these people. And he gets the best one, oh. too, that motherfucker. <laughs> he's, he's, he's eating the extra long one. That's special. Yeah. It has a good taste in it. <laughs> yeah, and he has it in his pocket. I love the fact that he had it in his pocket. <laughs> you know, when he's like, I didn't need it. And he's like, oh, no, here it is. So, yeah, we get Hansu, um, and they're watching uh, Park's sister, Namju, who is a National Medalist Archer on TV. And, of course, the father's like, I can't watch. I'm so nervous, like, you know, when she misses. And obviously, you see, she's pretty fucking good. You know, she gets the bullseye, and you have the father <clears throat> cheering her on, going, this is fucking great. Like, this is amazing. But then she hesitates and misses the last one, so she can only get bronze at that point. So I was like, oh, no. Disrespect to the family. <laughs> <laughs> only bronze. No, but... But while they're hanging out there, okay, because the, the the dad won't watch, okay, uh, or the grandfather won't watch, okay. So um, Park Gondu is hanging out with his daughter in there, and he passes his daughter a beer. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and she's like, "What's this?" He goes, "It's a beer." And she she's like, "Why are you giving me a beer?" And he's like, "Well, you're 13. You're old enough. You're now. in middle school now." <laughs> yeah, you're in middle school now. Said the teen. I was like, "Oh, how accurate." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dean of Middle you know, School says so, you can drink that that yeah, hype beer. Yeah. Yeah. So so he passes her a beer and she's complaining about the taste of the beer and stuff like that. But they're but they're watching the aunt Namju compete, okay? And just again, we have to bring up the beer now because it's important later. Alright? So again, because mm-hmm. beer is important, everyone, especially to middle school kids. Right, Dean? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. Um, but you have all this is going on, and you have the father telling uh, Park to go bring the beers to the people on Mat 6, you know, make up for them. You know, it's on the house. And when he goes out to the mat, they're looking at something under the bridge. And it looks like a bag of trash. 
just kind of hanging underneath the bridge. They can't they figure out what the fuck that. it is. And it drops into the water, and they're like, what the fuck? Like, what is that? So, of course, you have Park throwing the beer can into the water, and a huge tentacle jumps out of the water, grabs the beer, and drags it underneath. He's like, it grabbed the, it grabbed the can. It grabbed the fucking can. Like, that's fucking crazy, right? Like, holy shit. And then that's when you just, every, everything just goes out of control, which I love the sequence. When oh, that God, monster man, that, shows up oh. finally, barreling through people. Yeah. I, and I thought it was so awesome that they did not go the classic kaiju route of, um, you know, wait until halfway through the movie or later to see the monster. It's like straight right. off the bat, you know. Oh, yeah, we're, sure. 15 minutes in in, we're 15 minutes into the movie, and that fucker is up there. You know, it, it's up there. It's kicking ass and shit like that. And it's just beating the fuck out of everyone. And it's just a fucking slaughter. All over the uh, fucking beach, and I fucking amazing. loved it. <laughs> but the one thing and I couldn't I, figure out is that they had that one slanted concrete hill with all like the little rivets sticking out of it. I was like, how is that? How is anybody getting up that? Because <laughs> like, I never would. I'd be like trying to climb up that little rivet hill that they have, and I'm like, nope, nope, not going up this. The ones who were running across it, I was like, yeah, they know what they're doing. <laughs> not me. I'd already fallen, and I'd be in the monster's mouth. I mean, the first casualty. Yeah. But then I love that we have, like, of all of all the Koreans that are around, we have one Asian, uh, one American that shows up, and he's trying to be fucking Captain yeah, America guy. in the scenario. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, we should do the white guy. And I was like, we, we, yeah, we got to help people. We got to do this. We got to, you know, and, you know, he's going around, and he, you know, Gets Park to help him out, you know, you know, picking up that big ass concrete sign and slamming the shit out of stuff, you know, all over the place. Yeah, uh, yeah, that doesn't yeah. work out so well for Captain America. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And that's the one thing that kind of confused me about this creature is because it's doing damage, it's destroying people, knocking people over, killing people, but then it takes people into its mouth and not necessarily eating them, but we do see that it does eat. But at the same time, it's, like, selective about who it picks to drop into this weird sewage system pit. Um, the fat kid in the 69 jersey, for some reason, he didn't eat that kid. He dropped him in the pit with other bodies. So it's like it's – they never really go into it, why this creature picks these bodies to kind of put into its mouth and then drop into this sewage pit. It just – it does. Uh, yeah. I was disappointed by that. Yeah. And this, this is where um, I had – you know, I was – like monster wise, uh, I was a little bit disappointed with the movie because it's like I, I was thinking like okay, I was thinking this like is gonna be the first and then we're gonna have more later, you know? Because if we have okay. small mo- yeah. mm-hmm. if we have a small monster, I'm fine with it. Like if we have a fucking horde of small monsters this size, I'm fine with that, you know. But unfortunately, that's not what happened in this movie, and like this is just our monster period. You know, and this is it so at full size. You want to afford a you know, monsters? I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm saying, like, this compares to classic kaiju, okay? It, this this monster is pretty damn small, okay? So yeah, what yeah, I was saying, yeah. Doc, is, like, if if we had later on something where something happened with, like, the people that he they were saving, and they would end up, like, somehow mutated and becoming monsters themselves or something like that. To the point where mm-hmm. we got a horde of all these small monsters running around all over, you know, um, downtown Seoul, you know, 
But unfortunately, that's not what we got. We just got this tiny little fucker running around causing havoc. I mean, it's pretty big. I wouldn't say it's small. I mean, it's not kaiju size, like you had said, uh, Monkey, but it's pretty big, you know, for what it's worth. Um, but it, it takes people and deposits it into this weird sewage system. Um, but then you have a scene where Yansu is walking out of, of the shop, and she sees just this mass fucking destruction happening, and you have her dad, Park, running and grabbing her and going, we got to go, we got to run, because this creature's there. Yeah. And then when they get knocked apart, he's grabbing for her, and then he grabs the wrong person. He grabs his little girl that he thinks that's his daughter, and it's not. And yeah. she's standing there dazed, and she gets up, the creature grabs uh, her, and brings it right underneath the water. Oh, man, that, that, like, that scene was like just so fucking harsh. It's like, because it's like they just did such a great job of you know, showing the anguish on Park's face. You know, when he realizes he yeah. has the wrong girl, and... But then, on the flip side, is like the effect of the tail wrapping around her and just her body yeah. with it, like it did. Oh my God! It was like it, it just looks so fucking good. Um, yeah. You know, it, yeah. It was just such a we good-looking effect. Yeah, all of this that we were saying before when it, when talking about like the running time, like this this all of this build up and set up and yeah. reveal and opening sequences, like this movie was was flying along at an awesome pace. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't slowing down. Yeah. It was just moving. Yeah. And, like, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and then we're at this point where it's like, you know, she got whipped away, and I was like, fuck, man, 15 minutes in, the daughter's already dead. But, nope, there's no... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she's one of the people this. that he brings into this uh, underground, you know, sewer yeah. system. But what, yeah. the, the comedy here is the scene at the mass funeral for the victims of the creature, where they've set up all these beautiful framed photos of everybody, and everybody's crying, and everybody's in isolation, and oh my god, these people are dead. So you have Park mourning his daughter, and his father mourning his daughter, and he's like, look, your uncle's here! Your uncle, he came to see you, and your aunt's here! And, you know, talking to her like she's actually there. And the, she, <laughs> when he starts to necessarily cry and he falls over and his shoes come off and you have his brother kicking the shit out of him, you know, you grab the wrong girl, you fucking asshole. Yeah, and and then, you know, <clears throat> grandfather's talking to Yon Sa, you know, and he's like, oh, see your death, you finally brought us all back together. You brought back this dysfunctional family, and now we're going to cry and fight all at the same time. It's like a fucking Irish funeral right now going on. Oh, you yeah. know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's just the fact crying, that just, yeah, then, Nam Ale is beating up on Park. Like, yeah. You know, his yeah. shoes are coming off. Like, you know, I was, I was yeah. cracking up because it just didn't yeah. make me laugh. Yeah, yeah, they're just laying on. They're just, they're literally just rolling around on the floor, just kicking each other and shit like that. Meanwhile, camera crews are zooming in to film all of this. You know. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. And, yeah, and then Nam Joe's like, what the fuck are you filming at? What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, a comedy is when you have the military coming in, you know, dressed in their, their suits, you know, the biohazard suits, and they're like, hey, listen, uh, things are going on. We want to talk to you about it. So we're going to put on the TV, and it's going to explain everything you need to know about what's going on. 
Oh shit! Because the we don't know what to say. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so the news isn't yeah. on, everybody, but it's going on. <laughs> you know, like, it, to me, it was just like correct because it just shows you how inept the government is in this situation. Like they don't even know what's going on. They're hoping the news is going to cover it for them, but it doesn't. So now yeah. like, they have to step in and be like, "All right, anybody that came in contact with the monster, step forward." <laughs> Admit it, because we need to put you in quarantine. Yeah, but then Park, the park raises his hand. He's like, well, I didn't come in contact with it, but uh, I smashed his tail. Blood splattered all over my face. All over my face. And then the family starts beating the shit out of him. Go, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and they put him in that little fucking quarantine bag. <laughs> that little yellow bag. Yeah. All these people looking over him. It's just, it was just, again, it was Bob Jun Ho incorporating comedy into this movie, and it was appreciated because you need to have a little break, um, you know, from what just happened um, as they're going into quarantine. Because now you find out that the creature, it's not just a fucking creature, like a monster, but it's also the host, uh, that's the movie title, of a deadly virus. So now we get our whole callback of deadly viruses. And what does this creature have? You know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like you said, you know, the family's getting quarantined. You know, Par- Park has now been squeezed into a carry-on. You know, good, good thing they gave him an airline. Um, <laughs> and now it's like this big extensive scene from the movie E.T. of everyone, you know, in hazmat suits, you know, lots of quarantining going on. Okay, everyone that was in room 15, all right, um, we now need you to go to room four. <laughs> and it's like, what? We, we've just been here for four hours, and now we need to go to another room? Yeah. Uh, really, guys? We have, yeah, that's where we need you to go now. Um, except yeah, they, they, carry they, on, boy. <laughs> we, yeah. We're gonna well, they got, <laughs> yeah. The whole family gets to the hospital, and they're all quarantined, and they say that Park you know, has to go for testing the next day, so he can't eat anything. Make sure you don't eat. And, of course, Park's hungry, so he's going to reach for the next kind of squid that he can find and eat a couple pieces of it. But he's also scratching on his back, so it's like, is he showing symptoms of this virus because he keeps scratching on his back? His father says, no, he doesn't shower. So that's his fucking problem. That's why he's so fucking scratchy and shit like that. Because <laughs> he's just dirty. Again, wash your hands, wash your ass, wash your back. All right? This is how you prevent corona. Okay. But because there's also scenes where um, on the news and stuff like that talking about the virus outbreak and how it starts to um, affect the people and they start to have gross and spots, you know, all over their skin, all over their body. You know, this is what the news is yeah. reporting is that, you know, look for gross on people around you. You know, look for spots. You know, those are the people who are getting the virus. You know, and those are the people who need to be quarantined. Don't don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to call on your neighbor and get those people quarantined because we have to get those people separated from the rest of the population. Yeah, and again, like Doc, you know, I mean, you picked this movie, but it's like kind of appropriate because yeah. now you have images on our national television of people wearing all these masks and being afraid to touch things and afraid to be out, and it's kind of a good kind of mirror image of what we're watching now in this movie. Of people just terrified of what the virus can do at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. And now we're in it. You know, now we're living in this world of people wearing these masks and just afraid of, of like they have that one scene of the guy coughing. 
<laughs> where he takes his mask off the coffin, <laughs> spit in the water. And like, here's the track oh. Like, you know. That, that scene was funny as shit, though, because he spits in the water, and then the, and everyone's run, is, like, trying to run away from him right as the bus comes by, and it then sprays <laughs> all the water on all of them. Oh, that scene was funny as shit. <laughs> <laughs> And then while at the hospital, uh, Park M. Du gets a call from Wanseo um, that she's trapped. You know, she survived, but she's in a sewer somewhere, and please help me. I don't know where I am. So he's freaking out, going, she called me on my phone. Like, that's her. That's her. I, we need to get the fuck out of here. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we need to go. We need to go find her right now. You know, we just we need to leave. We can't be in this isolation anymore. So we to, uh, to me, it was kind of a funny escape. Um, oh, with yeah, T-Bong basically just, giving away his entire, like, possessions, all of his money, everything he has to his gang that could get a van there to take them out. And it's just, a, a, to me, it's a funny scene when they're in the parking garage and they're escaping. And they're in the van and they're like, where's your sister? And she's running along beneath the cars, like, very casually. <laughs> just, just waving. You know, making just her waving. way along. Like, get the van from the van. <laughs> get the fuck in the van. <laughs> you know, we need to go. And they're like, and we got it, we're good. Right. And the gang's telling her, like, telling him, easy gives everything. Give him the holy cards. <laughs> yeah, you know, here's a van, you know, here's a truck and stuff like that. But before that, it's like the, the great thing, though, was them escaping is while they're trying to escape is the, the one cop that chased him is the one cop who was giving miraculous shit the entire time when they were saying, you know, I need I need to go save oh, my yeah. daughter. And he's like, hey, you know, <laughs> and they're just doing the whole Oh, it was just funny. <laughs> and yes, did they know, you know guns, like the security guards? Because he didn't fire one round off at that van as it was leaving. He just chased after it to a certain no, point. Like, no. he didn't fire off any rounds. No, um, no. Over there, it's like England and stuff like that, um, where no only, guns. Military has fi- only military has firearms. Um, policemen have batons and and. Um, stunning capabilities and gases and stuff like you know, mace and stuff like that, but no, no firearms. Okay, so yeah, they they get out. The gang takes the father for everything he's got. They get him into a white, you know, uh, a disinfectant van so they can get away. You know, get through the quarantine area where they eventually make their way to the shop. Um, you know, and they have their sit-down dinner of ramen noodles and everything else. So I was like, they had a pretty fucking nice, good spread. To eat, but it's when the daughter shows up in that sequence, and nobody really reacts. They're just eating, and she just shows up and just starts eating along with them. I thought it was kind of a sweet thing. Like they want her to be there with them. She's not, but it's they all have this kind of image in their head of her sitting next to them. Yeah, yeah, it was really heart wrenching, man. It's just you know them all wanting to sit there and you know feed her and be happy that she was there and have the, the entire family together because. You have that scene, and then it literally cuts to Hyun Sa sitting in the sewers, starving, uh, hold, holding her hand out, trying to catch rainwater so she can at least get some water. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was just such yeah. a hard cut. Yeah, it was. You know, to, to see where she is, and yes, you have the uh, the two homeless boys, uh, C Jin and C Joe. You know who raid that shop that they had. Yeah, the family has. I can't remember those guys' names. Yeah, that's that's their names. But yeah, they're two brothers. You know, if we raid this shop, they could eat for months. You know, we're street boys. We don't have a home, and it, it, it's 
again, another sad moment when they both get attacked by the creature and C. Joe's brother is killed, but he's dropped off into the sewer to be along John yeah. Hope. You know, it's right there, you know, and he, he's a survivor too, and they're going to protect each other. Yeah, but, you know, as, as they're out there, and, uh, like, again, lots of little stories that are stuck in this thing where, again, I think if they had given it more time so we can actually feel a little bit more for the older brother because he explains to us, you know, the the idea behind, you know, Sayori, you know, which is, you know, oh, yeah, his, yeah. stealing and borrowing only food. They're not stealing products. They're not stealing money. It's, you know, Sayori right. is only stealing food to survive. And that's what kids have to do. And Sayori comes in later, too. Um, but... It's just them just trying to, you know, get by Oliver Twist-like, you know, but unfortunately things just didn't work out for the older brother. And, it, yeah, you bring that up because that's what he, John, tells uh, the brother and sister of Park. Like, I wasn't there for your brother when I needed to be. Like, he was beaten. He was in the streets. He had to do these things, and that's why you shouldn't be so fucking hard on him. Like, you guys are really fucking hard on him, and you don't need to be. Like, he is the way that he is because of how he grew up without me being there, you know. And, and then he also has that joke about how he could smell his farts and he knows, you know, when he's in a good mood and a bad mood. But, again, it's like injecting a little bit of humor into an otherwise kind of sad moment when you get to see how right. bad Park kind of had it growing up. Right, because he talked about also, you know, Park had to do sayori on all organic stuff, you know, ra- raiding farms and things like that and he wasn't yeah. getting the right the right protein at the right age which is why he wasn't as smart as he should be because he thinks it probably you know um had something to do with his brain developing at the right time at the right moment which will come into play later i i personally thought okay but we'll get to that in and a that's moment. why he sleeps yeah, I mean, so we'll much get to that later. which is yeah and that's why, yeah, yeah. again, you know, that's why he sleeps so much, and that's why he's so lazy, and that's why everybody's like, how can he sleep right now, you know, through all this shit? You know, and it's because of what he's been through. Um, they, they, they have the map that was given to them by the gang leaders, so they're going to each sewer to try to find out where the daughter is. Um, they have their ammunition, they have their guns, and they have that confrontation with the creature, you know, on the, the, the riverside of the Han River. And it's, again, you're getting the sequence where he, John, the father, is sacrificing himself for the family. He knows he's not looking out of this. Right, but also, Hyo Jong had that thing where he swore to Park, though, that he wasn't going to rest until he had slipped that beast belly open. You know, because, so mm-hmm. he was there yeah. for pure fucking vengeance. You know, and he was just a fucking badass, you know, <laughs> put those slugs into the motherfucker and wasn't going to let it go, you know, and, you know, so he was after that motherfucker, he, you know, he, he didn't care, you know, he, he, and I just dug it, man, he was just a badass <laughs> in this scene. Oh, he was, yeah, until he got picked up by the creature and slammed onto that riverside, oh, where it's like, there's no coming back from that, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. seeing his body crushed, you know, on that riverside, you know, and, and Park realizing that his father's now dead because of this creature. Yeah. While the army's chasing them down. Like, you have the army in the background racing towards them. Yeah, and this is the thing where it's like you could tell he, you know, Park was the closest to him. Because while, uh, you know, um, excuse me, you know, Namju and Namil, 
you know, are running going, we got to go, we got to go. You know, he's torn because he wants to be there with dad. He's like, you know, dad, you're okay. Yeah. Wake up, wake up. You know, it's like, you know, his dad died and he's in there, you know, just trying to mourn him and take some time to at least, you know, c- cover his face with a, you know, the only thing he can find, you know, a, a piece of newspaper. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I can't give you better right now, you know, but, you know, I love you, you know, and just having to do that yeah. is just, Oh, you know, it was just, you know, just, that was a tough scene. Yeah, that scene, when he puts that newspaper over his father's face, and then he runs because he knows that the military is after him, but he stops. And, like, he wants to be with his father's body. Like, I, I can't leave him. Like, I know I put the paper over his face. I can't go. I can't run like a brother and sister did. I got to stay with him, and that's what leads him to getting captured once again by the Army and being thrown again. in the quarantine. Yeah, again, back in the quarantine. Oh, man. It's just, this, this dude just can't get a fucking break. <laughs> no. No, he's back into it. So he's stuck with the military and, and just saying, like, you guys got to let me the fuck go. Like, I know what I have to do. My daughter's out there. You guys, I, I don't need to be here right now. But they need him. Nobody like they, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But you have Namil, uh separating from his sister, and he goes to an old friend to trace the, the phone call that uh, Park's sister had made. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, just kind of hang out here. It's cool. Like, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, the password is what it is. And I guess I'll go find it. And then his friend goes into the other room where you have a fucking ton of people waiting to get the bounty <laughs> on Namil's head. And he's like, you think there's going to be taxes? <laughs> well, maybe. But you know what? There's going to be enough money for everybody. So, you know, we just need to trap him. He's like, yeah, but he's quick. Yeah, and he's an escape artist, you know, which just gave me a flashback to um, Tag, you know, the movie Tag. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, love that movie. But, but yeah, you know, they kept asking where Namju was, you know, because apparently they wanted the reward for both of them. Um, but also there's a quick moment where while they're talking and stuff like that, they talk about when they were both back in college – and his friend that's now at this corporation was such an activist, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, such a protester. And, he, and you know, he's like, no, I'm just a salary man now. Um, and things, things go bad. Everyone starts – yeah. <laughs> and um, things go bad, and everyone starts to try and – you know, all these office workers try to raid, you know, uh, against Nam-il in this office. And, yeah. You know, he's an escape artist, does, does some, you know, quick, you know, <laughs> shit of, you know, uh, putting a paperclip on the electrical prong, uh, shorting out everything, yeah. being able to get uh, get out. Um, I enjoyed this scene just because um, as he's running out, you see his one friend that was there. He he puts up, you know, a resistance fit. He puts up a fit. You know. <laughs> like, you yeah. get out of here, man. <laughs> you get yeah. this. Like, holy shit. Like, yeah. you just wanted to get the money a second ago. Now you're putting up your fist. Like, I wasn't a part of that. Yeah, dude. Like, you, know, you get out of here. So they get the coordinates of where Yuso uh, is. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I, I, I took, no, I was going to say, I took that moment as um, I felt like he was pressured into that situation. And, oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, and he felt relieved that his friend was able to get out. He was like, you know, you know, at the last minute, yeah, fight the power. You know, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, as, as, you know, as, as you're thinking. So yeah, they get the coordinates of where Yansu is, and he texts it to 
his brother and his sister, like, this is where she is, this is where you need to go. As he jumps over the, the little bridge area to avoid getting detection, and he's hurt, obviously, because that, that's going to fucking hurt, <laughs> jumping over that bridge, well, you, landing you, on the you, ground. You dropped 20 fucking feet, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he rolls out of the way, and he's in safety for now until he meets with an old uh, homeless person uh, that we saw earlier in the film. But we also have Gang Du, who uh, is in quarantine, like we had said, and he's, he's saying over and over again, I know where my daughter is. I know where I need to get her. This is what happened. So you have an American scientist showing up going, what, what's this guy? You just fucking lobotomize him? Did you guys just give him a lobotomy? Like, you know, you know, like, you know that's what we need to do. Because he knows shit. There's no virus. Like, this just, yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, just put a needle in his fucking head and we're going to be done with this. And I just, no, but Paul Lazar that... plays the scientist with those fucking eyes. I couldn't stop staring at his fucking face. Because <laughs> one eye's going one place, the other eye's going another. <laughs> it's like, what? Mm. I was like, are you making fun of Americans, Bon Joon-ho? <laughs> That's how all of us look. <laughs> I th- I I uh, thought that was funny as shit, but at the same time, it was yeah. very very important because we have the American scientists now going. There is no virus. All right, like yeah. this is important yep. shit. He's saying there is yep. no virus, and we have None. to lobotomize him to keep him quiet and say we cured him of the virus by giving him a lobotomy because that's going to be the way to do it is we're going to say the virus affects the frontal lobe of the brain and the only way to fix this is through lobotomization and this Mm -hmm. is where we get to is because they do that they actually do it all right they sit there and grill him in the front of his head all right and this is where it's like me personally i took this as like we just said, you know, he was out there borrowing food. His brain didn't develop right. And I took this as a thing of the lobotomy went backwards and actually yep. worked. And That's what I thought. Uh, yeah. rewi- Absolutely. And rewired his brain. So now, like, you know, so that's why it's like he was able to, like, straight after that motherfucker, you know, grab that syringe where they were taking his blood and stuff like that. And be quick enough and smart enough to be like, oh, who wants some? Who wants some? Who wants to be covered in some virus that doesn't fucking exist? But who, you know, what? Right. You motherfuckers are having a barbecue out here? Are you? What? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Running their fucking grills. It's like, you know, my family fucking get together out here. All the fucking grills that they have going on. <laughs> and he's just squirting that blood out of that syringe. Like, oh, my God, no. He's like, yeah, that's right, bitch. That's right. Where's your car? Where's your car? Because we're going. We have a place to be, and that's where we're going. Do you want some of this blood? I don't think so, bitch. Like, I'm alive now, motherfuckers. You just fucking revitalized me. So let's go. <laughs> you know. Um, but then you have Namil with the homeless guy. And he's like, oh, that's a nice backpack, and there's some bottles here. I'm going to take that. And he smashes the one bottle over his head. He's like, yeah, it's not going to be that easy, bitch. You got money, but <laughs> it ain't going to be that big of a deal. But then he goes with him in the cab. <laughs> he's in the cab just well, like later, driving to the city. Well, well, because he's got nothing better to do. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, let's go ahead. I, I got nothing planned yeah. for today. <laughs> And what I found most interesting as we go into the third act of the film, you have the Agent Yellow. 
that they're going to be releasing in the city, that's going to be how yeah. they're going to defeat the creature. Like, they have this yeah. thing, they're going to release it, it's going to kill the creature, we're going to be fine, but then you have activists that are just, they're pro-park, they're pro-everybody, but I love the fact that the, the thing that they use to release the aging yellow looks like the creature. It's just the way in its presentation. Like, it's a yellow machine, but it looks like a creature hanging from the bridge earlier in the film. So it's like, it right. looks like that creature. So it's and like, you develop this thing, it looks like it. Right. And the important thing about Agent Yellow is that the Korean government is against the dispersing of this. The American government yep. took control of this, the entire Han River area. All right. And the thing about mm-hmm. Agent Yellow is, is, is it is a bio agent that was developed in Afghanistan by the United States government, go figure, all right, and it's supposed to kill everything biological within 15 kilometers of its, you know, drop point, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's supposed to kill everything biological within 15 kilometers. This is important. Oh, yeah. We don't care. Later. Score sure. I have a... Score sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what they're planning on. Hey, listen, we're going to make this work, people. You can protest all you want, but the Americans are coming in, baby. Woo! America, fuck yeah. We got this shit. America, fuck yeah. Though, uh, when talking about North Korea uh, enjoying this South Korean blockbuster, oh, yeah. that was very rare. Uh, <laughs> The horrible picture this painted for the United States with the parallels of the Agent Yellow uh, to its arch and all of the mm-hmm. horrible damage that caused when the United States spread that shit everywhere. I mean, it killed double barriers. Yeah. yeah, that's what they talked about. You know, how they thought this was an anti American propaganda film, and Bong Joon Ho was like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's, they could take it for whatever they wanted, but it's not. You know, mm-hmm. this is just a satire of how they would react to something like this happening. And it kind of works because you have the protesters getting sprayed down with the agent yellow, you know, carrying their banners and wearing their masks, you know, in the field. Um, you have, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're fast forwarding though. Cause we still got to stare and get to the sewers. Well, that's what I was going to tell you. You take that. Well, it's uh, yeah, because before we get to the agent yellow, it's just, the thing is, we, yeah. um, Excuse me. Um, yeah, Park and Namji and Nam, Namju uh, co- convene at the sewers and work their way there to where they confront, confront the beast and find it because uh, Namju gets knocked off her ass and stuff like that. But um, mm-hmm. they 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 finally come across the beast who had been playing mind games and was uh, you know little brother he's damaged and stuff like that, but grabs Hyunsa and little kid and starts running his fucking ass off and then Park starts running after the beast and the beast is now run, you know because they found the beast found Hyunsa she's still yeah. alive she is still alive yeah. alright and so is, and yep. so is uh, the, the little brother um, but yeah then Park starts yeah. chasing the beast on foot yeah did you um, and that's when the beast starts making a pass straight towards the protesters and straight towards Asian Yellow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. But then you get to see that it actually does have an effect on the creature. Like, it is actually affecting the way that it's moving, the way that it's acting. Like, it's starting to fall a little bit, starting to, you know, stumble, 
You know, so the aging yellow is actually working. But, yeah, like you had said, it's Park that's running towards this creature going, I'm all in. Like, I'm going to destroy this creature. I don't care how. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get my daughter back. And that's when he gets up to the creature and sees that there's a hand with a little knife hanging out of the mouth. And he's like, that's it. It's got to be, you know, I, I got this. And oh, when he pulls hanging, out the uh, bodies... It, no, it, it, it was hanging on to one of his teeth. Well, so I took it as a knife, yeah. But yeah, it's the teeth. Oh, yeah, okay. You're right. Um, but yeah, it's just when he when he yanks out those bodies, you know, it's Yansu, and it's also Sijo, but it's Yansu who is the one that had to perish. The one that had to die. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. It really is, because the, the whole movie, you're hoping that he's going to reconnect with his daughter and find her and save her, and she's the one that's the ultimate sacrifice, you know, in this yeah, film. And know, seeing him carry that body dead on his arms, mm-hmm. like, it's just, it's such a captivating image in this movie. From, yeah, yeah and, you, you know, from, from her getting taken so early on, uh, you know, it... it it, it was such a long amount of time until this, and you, yeah. you do. You're thinking the whole time that, you know, he's going to rise up out of his dumpy fucking life and save his daughter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I thought the entire time you know, that he's going to do it, and she's going to be okay. But when you find out that she's yeah. the one that has to die, like, it's just, uh, yeah. I mean, they did it. It's a great moment in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they went there, and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, did you seriously fucking go there? <laughs> I was like, because like the doc has said, I was like, you know, again, you know, stoner dad is going to finally turn his shit around, you know, and be like, I'm going to be the dad you deserve, you know, but then, you know, she died, prote- you know, protecting Soju. Is that his name? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Sijo. But yeah. after, but, yeah, Sijo. But then, uh, that one too. All right. But then after they get the kids out, that's when the family comes together and is like, oh, you are, we are going to fucking kick your fucking ass. <laughs> and uh, you have, you know, you have numb ill, you know, throwing alcohol bombs all over the damn place. You know, just, you know, kachoo, kachoo, kachoo. Oh, yeah. You know, he just ass up. Yeah, <laughs> and I lo- just loved it, just the, the, you know, the shots right now of the chase, you know, because they're making sure that that fucker doesn't get away, he's not getting away, and, you know, Nam Hill's doing his best to sit there and um, catch him and corner him and stuff like that, and, um, you know, he's throwing him, and then he fucks up on the last shot just as he thought he has a clear shot, you know. And then we well, have yeah, but, but, yeah, before you get to that, oh. yeah, I want to talk about that because you have the homeless man who runs up with a gigantic can of kerosene who's pouring it all over the creature. Like, he's, he's doing his part. Like, he knows what has to be done. So he's doing his part in this scene to drop the kerosene all over the creature. And that's like you had said. Now, Mill has that last bottle, and he's going to fucking throw it, and he's going to light this fucking thing up, and he fucking drops it at the last second. Like, oh, my fucking God. He just fucked up and dropped that bottle. But luckily, his sister's right behind him to pick it up and just take her archery lessons and launch it right into the eye of the creature. Yeah. Right. And this, this was also a big moment, though, because she doesn't, you know, her thing was always, she always took, waited to take the shot. She always waited too long. Right. You know, right. And 
and it was just the thing. If she picked it up and just looked at the creature and didn't hesitate, just went thunk, you know, just let that fucker go. Didn't mm-hmm. think, you know, didn't if didn't hesitate, you know, she finally learned her lesson. I'm sorry, Doc. What were you saying? I was gonna say if if you didn't know that 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 how that's how that was going to play out from the first time they were watching her on TV. I mean, you knew that that was happening. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that she hesitated that first time, it's like now she's not. Now she has a purpose. Now she's not going to mm-hmm. hesitate. She's going to shoot that fucker in the eye. Um, but it, the creature's still not going down without a fight. So you have Park, who finally just decides to grab that metal pole, and he's just going to give the death blow to this fucking creature and jam it right into his mouth to give that death blow, which is an amazing <laughs> shot. But at the same time, you know, I was feeling bad for the creature. Because the creature didn't want to be there. <laughs> like it just it, it existed because it became part of a formaldehyde thing that happened in the water. You know, it just it didn't know what it was. Like, you know, and it, at the same time it kind of felt bad for the creature. <laughs> it's like, you know, it just it was acting on instinct. You know. Um we had missed that part where uh we had talked about the creature dropping bodies into the sewer, but then you have the shot of him dropping all the bones of all the bodies yeah. he had eaten. Like, Which oh, was awesome. what the fuck? It, that <laughs> yeah. was awesome, though. <laughs> um, but it's a creature yeah, that like, it was created out of fucking formaldehyde that wasn't supposed to be there. So I kind of felt bad for well, the creature in a way. Well, y- yes. And like, you, you know, yeah, the creature didn't ask to be there and all that kind of stuff. But then at the same time, that's the thing about most kaiju, you know, over there, especially yeah, in yep. Japan and stuff like that, is, you know, the origin is a lot of them are from the situation that's going on. It's, you know, they didn't have to be there. It, it's just something that happened right. through a chain of events which led the kaiju to be there. You know, um, and they mm-hmm. just go around causing mass destruction. That's what they do. It's like, because it's a giant, no matter how you look at it, it's a giant animal that has to survive now. Alright? And it has to yeah, take yeah. a look. Yep, yep. It, it has to eat. It has to take the lower things on the food chain. That's us. That's kaiju, you know, and mm-hmm. that's the oh, thing about kaiju yeah. is we we are we are the lower peg on the food chain when it comes to giant monsters. I completely agree with that that point. Um, the thing that I had a problem with though is that you have Hansu who who made the ultimate sacrifice and she's dead, but then you have Park going over to the body of C. Joe and just kind of tapping him on the chest, going, yeah, "All right, man, all right, kind of wake up now, mm. like wake up." Wake up, mm. you know, and it's like you didn't do that to your own daughter, but you're doing it to see Joe. Mm. So I kind of had a problem with that. Right, but on top of that, okay, here's where here's where I have a problem is they are ground zero for you know the yellow, okay, and why yeah. the fuck mm-hmm. are they so alive? What, what, like, if this is physical, yeah, everything yeah. biological in a 15 kilometer radius, why the fuck are they still alive and still walking around? Because they're starting to get the <laughs> symptoms. You know, the, 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 you know, the uncle, you know, Nam Lee, he's bleeding from hey, the ear. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Nam Ju, she's starting to bleed a little bit herself, too. Why the fuck, though, are they alive if they're fucking ground zero? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. You know that they yeah. can survive this because yeah, yeah, bleeding from the ears, you know, and but you have uh, Park not showing any symptoms either, which is kind of amazing. Um, so not really sure why they did it that way, 
But again, I felt the same way when he was reviving, you know, see Joe. I was like, come on. He just rubbed his chest a couple times and the kid woke up. Mm. <laughs> like, you, know, you didn't do that to your own daughter? Mm. Yeah, but it's just at the, like I just had a major, major problem with this because the ending was shot beautifully. Like I was digging all of the billowing smoke that was going all over the place, you know, and the you know the the, the wisping uh you know flags that were in their name. Um, and shit like and I was expecting them all to die because they're fucking ground zero for Agent Yellow. And I was expecting mm-hmm. a thing of them dying together as a family here in the midst of all this. You know, so, something Which you know, makes weird sense. and dark like that. Yeah, you know, here we are. They're you know, murders. Every, and, yeah, exactly. You know, so why the fuck are they alive? Yeah, I, I completely agree, and I love your point because yes, yeah, so they should have been martyrs, but they're not. You know, they somehow survive the Agent Yellow, um, and then it cuts to you know in the future we don't know how far because now you have Park with black hair. Like he's he's gotten rid of his blonde hair, and now he has black hair, and he's sitting he, in the shop. No longer it's winter time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think it looks better with the black hair you know, than the blonde. But you have him just, you know, out of the shit. Now he's in the wintertime at the same shop, taking care of business. He's bored, looking out the window, and he thinks he sees something in distance of, could that be the creature again? Could that be another one? And he picks up the rifle, and it's just nothing. It's just, you know, I just overreacted. So I'm going to turn around, and there's C. Joe, who he adopted. To be, I guess, his his son, you know. Now he's taking care of him, and I just I love South Koreans because they fucking make the best meals because they have this fucking huge spread <laughs> of rice and everything else, and just jamming rice into their mouths and just eating. And you know, see Joe going. There's nothing fucking good in the news. Like all they're talking about is the fucking virus. And then you get to see the American scientists from before on the news saying, yeah, you know what, yeah, we just overreacted. It's not, it's, it's fine. You know, it's contained. And he's like, let's just fucking turn the TV off. Which is the great second moment in the movie where he's like, let's just turn it off. Turn off the TV and let's concentrate on having some food together. You know, and... Fucking right, man. Fucking right. And, and, like, I think that message was great. Uh, yes. Cut off the so media and, and enjoy the family time you have. You know, spend spend dinner, you know, together, eating dinner, talking to each other, enjoying the food. Don't stop with the, you know, the shit on the, you know, the media and, you know, all the distractions. Get rid of it and just enjoy having dinner together. And again, that brings you back to what we talked about with the coronavirus. The media is going to fucking talk about it ad nauseum. It's going to scare you. It's going to make you afraid to go out. It's going to make you afraid to do everything. Turn the fucking TV off. Enjoy me with your family. Enjoy the time that you have with the people that you have, the people that you love, because that's what matters. Not what the news is saying, but what's happening right in front of you. I thought it was a great fucking way to end this movie, especially what's going on right now. It's like... Uh, because, like, this past weekend, um, the diva and I had to go visit a friend because his father passed away, and he was having a small a small wake at his apartment. And the diva was like, you know, should we hug? And I was like, we're going to visit our friend at a wake. Fuck it, yes, we're going to fucking hug. 
because family, family, and friends are friends. And even in these times, you still got to remember to take the time to remember each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the greatest message that this movie ends with is that you have to remember the times that you have with the people that are still alive right the fuck now. That's it. You know, it's not about what's going on in the media. It's not going about the virus and what's going on in the news. It's the people that are in your life right now. That's what you should be concerned with. And I don't think the movie could have said it in a better way than that. Let's turn the fucking TV off. (laughs) You know, you should eat. You know, it, it was such a great moment. Yeah, and and virus or not, okay. The the important thing is, you know, come dinner time, remember to take time to spend with your family. It's like put the put the phone down. Don't let their phones be at the dinner table. Cut off the TV, and whether it's talking, yelling, screaming, or whatever, it's still family time. So get rid of distractions and actually take time for family. Virus or not, yeah. it doesn't matter. It's like you know, meal time is meal time, and that's supposed to be family time. Period. That's right. That's you know, again, great message to send. So again, Doc, thank you so much for this pick. Not just because it's a good movie, you're welcome. That people should be watching, but because it has a good message at the end, like we just talked about. You know, don't worry about what the fucking media is fucking spewing. The media sucks. The media wants you to be afraid. Just live your life and love the people that are in it, and you're going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. We're going to come over this coronavirus. We're going to beat it. We beat so many viruses in the past. We're going to overcome this one, too. We overcame the anthrax scare. We overcame swine flu. We overcame bird flu. Zika. You know, <laughs> we're going to be cool, all right? Just again, wash your hands. Be fine, all right? Mellow out. We're gonna be cool. Goddamn fucking right. Thank you so much. Just because we are. Just I know. I know this weekend the uh, King and I are still drinking for St. Patrick's Day. So fuck that. Fuck show. yeah, we are. <laughs> fuck yeah. We're gonna get drunk off our fucking asses and listen to some Irish music. We're gonna watch some fucking Irish movies and we're gonna get drunk and order some pizza. We're gonna be okay. Fuck Yo, the coronavirus. We're gonna slow, find. slow the fuck slow down. You're talking about uh, all of this Irish stuff and ordering pizza. <coughs> Go down to the freaking grocery store. Get a bunch of bottles of uh, Harp or Killian's Red. Dump it all in a pot with some water or some veggie broth, and pick up a corned beef and some and some onions and carrots and throw it in there with the spices and let that shit Look simmer for a few right. hours and then put in some cabbage for 20 minutes and make some corned beef and cabbage. What are you guys talking about? Order a pizza. That's what I'm I said. fucking that Jewish, and I'm going to be making corned beef and cabbage. No, that's what I did this past Sunday. I'm, I made a big-ass corned beef at my house, actually. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah. did the king get to enjoy I've it? Been, I, I, I've been eating the shit all week long, man. <laughs> yeah, no, not I, not I. I'll get to enjoy some pizza and some beers with the monkey on Saturday, so it's okay. I don't need all that shit. I'm half Irish anyway. I know what corned beef you know, tastes like. I'm good. I just need beers and the monkey and some good times ahead. That's what we're going to have. Um, so as we close out uh, this episode of Talking Terror, next week it comes to me for the pick. So I'm bringing us back to America, babies. And I'm going to take us back to 1990. Because this year marks the 30th anniversary of a film that I hated 
when it first came out, when I first saw it. But I eventually oh. developed a fondness for it. So we're going to be talking about the Tom Savini-directed Night of the Living Dead from 1990, the remake oh, that great. George A. Romero commissioned just for Tom Savini. I have a link for all of you guys. I'm going to send it to you just now. Um, I cannot wait to talk to you about it next week. Night of the Living Dead from 1990. I'm excited. This is a virgin watch for me. So cool. Sweet. Excellent. All right. So thank you, Doc, as we sign off for tonight. And we'll hope to see you next week for Night of the Living Dead. (laughs) Bye-bye. All right. right. Go ahead and sign yourself um, off, Mucky. All right. Uh, thank you, Dean, Dr. Dave, for uh, picking this week's movie at the most appropriate time that you possibly could. And, yeah, um, you're cut a little maniacal man monkey saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talk to Terror and let me come in your ear. And we always love when you do. So, <laughs> until next week, we <laughs> next week for... Night of the Living Dead, directed by Tom Savini, 1990. Yes, we're taking you back to America. We're taking you back to a remake. I'm going to talk to you a whole lot about this movie next week, so stay with us. Beat the coronavirus. Wash your fucking hands. Don't touch other people that you don't know. Stay away from them. This is not the time for one night stand. (laughs) It is not. No, this is a time for you just to fuck the people that you know. Not some strangers, what? not some people you met on Craigslist, not some people you met on Tinder. Stay away from those people because you don't know what they have. Just fuck through what you hands. know and you're going to be your okay. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying, have a good week. We can't wait to see you here next week for Another Living Dead, 1990. Hail Satan. Hail Odorous. Hail your fucking selves. Fuck the coronavirus. We're going to do this. We're going to make it through, people. See you Saturday, monkey. All right, brother. (laughs) Good night, everybody.